Welcome to Evolve to Succeed, the podcast that brings together entrepreneurs, founders, business leaders, and experts to talk about their journeys and explore the link between personal and business success. I'm your host, Juan Munson, founder of Evolve, a coaching, training, and development company focused on enabling business and personal success and creating a community of like-minded individuals. Whether that be through our peer groups, one-to-one coaching, our training and development programs for you and your teams, or through our content and events, our mission is to get the best out of each individual and inspire them to be better both in life and in business. If you want to learn more about Evolve, including our beautiful co-working space in Ashley Cross in Paul, then please go to evolvemembers.com where you'll find great content, insights, details of all of our services and also information on our forthcoming events. For now though, let's get on with the show. Welcome to this week's episode. Today we hear from Carly Germain, CEO and co-founder of Woodstock Legal Services. One of Carly's specialities is dispute resolution. And I was keen to get her opinion and advice on this topic, as well as get her knowledge and experience around building a career in the legal and professional services, but then taking that knowledge and starting her own business and the impact that has had on her and her family. Carly is also a strong advocate of empowering women in business, and I wanted to get her thoughts on the challenges she's faced as a woman in her sector and what she's doing to empower others within and outside of the firm to do great things. It's a wide-ranging conversation and we do cover such things as AI, the metaverse and how the legal sector may change in the years ahead. So please do enjoy the episode. Welcome, Carly, to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you on the podcast. I think during the course of this conversation, we're going to talk about your own professional and entrepreneurial journey. We're going to talk about your expertise in terms of resolving disputes and how some of our listeners can take that into disputes or everyday life that they may have. And we're definitely going to talk about the legal sector and how you're looking to change what happens within the legal sector now and in the future. So lots of exciting topics to cover, but I suppose we should start with you and... um, I have to ask, what inspired you to pursue a law as a profession? Oh, it's really interesting. I think for me, um, I think there's a who in there as well. And this wasn't necessarily law. Um, But I grew up in, you know, my mum was a single parent. um, And back then in the 90s, showing my age now, um, you know, she had a really challenging career. She was a director in the NHS, which then, you know, as a single parent with three teenage kids, um, you know, and young children as well, she was still doing it. Um, it was really quite challenging, long hours, stressful job, and juggling that as a single parent back then. I look back and a lot of my friends, you know, thinking about it, the parents, the mothers didn't even work or were working part-time. So to me, somebody having a very challenging career as a female was the norm. Okay. Um, And so I think the bar was set pretty high. Uh, I don't think she ever put any, there was never any pressure. It was just a peer example. It's just the norm for me. And yeah, she was the ultimate role model. I guess I was like, oh, right, okay, that's what we do. This is how we roll. Um, And then law, I think I have to be completely honest. I think most people won't admit to this, but, you know, you look at, you know, being a lawyer and, you know, this financial stability that you hope will come with it doesn't necessarily always come as much as, you know, people think. And it takes years to get there. Um, But for me, I think the reality of it is the need for a challenge. And I am that person that constantly needs a challenge. And law always gives you that. 
it's always constantly evolving it's constantly changing you've got challenging clients challenging cases so not only was it a challenge to get there and get qualified yeah. it was a challenge once you were there as well and like you know I'm that sort of person I'm going kind of yeah, progress yeah. challenging yourself developing yes yeah, yeah certainly and the, the high level problem solving I really enjoy that as well and the people element of it yeah. and you're just constantly learning and you know meeting different people from different businesses I used to do very broad litigation so one minute I'm dealing with a contentious probate dispute so you're delving around you know the you know the dynamics of a family and the dispute there and the next minute it's a building dispute so you know it really keeps your sort of working world very wide and open it's very interesting important, it? yeah but it's interesting isn't it the, the effect of you know our parents on us and as you say you know your mum is a single yeah. mum and yeah that work ethic and all of those kind yeah. of things and have you had those conversations with her yeah and the woman is a workaholic you know <laughs> and you even know, today even today, yeah. she still works. Now, she won't like me to say her age, but she still works now in the okay. NHS doing projects for them whilst also helping me with my kids. Okay. Um, you know, she's out running every morning. She's that person. So that sort of energy transpires. And that, you know, that was huge for me, I think, growing up and still is now. Yeah. Um, and I think the other person that always deserves a mention who's complete opposite end of the spectrum is m- my dad. And yeah. we grew up with lots of businesses, you know, as a child. We had donut shops, restaurants, arcades, okay. pool and snooker clubs in the 80s, okay. barber shops. I used to, you know, I used to work in all of them when from quite a young age and I, you know, and loved it. Um, learned how to cut hair. Um, and he's quite, you know, he's an interesting character, um, slightly eccentric. So it wouldn't be uncommon for him just to disappear and leave me running a barber shop at, you know, a very young age. <laughs> and then you think, where's he gone? And I just have to crack on and get on with yeah. it. Um, but I loved it. And I loved, you know, really understanding how the business worked and, you know, you know, what we were charging, you know, our customers and all of that. And I think, you know, the, the two together, um, you know, my need for challenge and going down the route of Laura sort of helped me get to where, I've got to where I am now, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Dad's influence is that entrepreneurial spirit and that energy to go and do something for yourself. Yeah, and just having a go and trying it. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. And it's interesting also what you said, you know, in that initial response around, I suppose, nearly, you know, I probably was the same, you know, I had a great childhood, but left school at 15, just about turned 16 with some GCSEs. I needed to be independent. So Mm. I kind of went into the professions because I wanted to be a photographer and I couldn't do that at that point. (laughs) But, you know, but I I went into the accountancy profession because I saw it as a route to create security and stability. And I think a lot of people do, don't they? But it does take a long time to get there, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. You know, that route to training, um, it costs a lot of money um, and, you know, it's tough. I didn't actually do a law degree. I did criminology and psychology. Okay. I think I think I wanted to go and work in the prison service, and I, I'm now glad that I deviated from that plan um, and chose law. And you know, I had to do a law conversion. So yeah, it's tough to get there, and it does take time. Um, and you know, it's a challenging profession for, for you know young people yeah. to make their way. Um, it takes a long time to get there. Definitely, well worth it in the end. Yeah. But what made you then decide? Okay, because you'd worked for some very large firms. Yeah. What, at what point did yeah. you go, okay, I'm going to start my own law firm? Yeah, do you know, I think I always had a little bit of frustration, a little bit of a bug in me. I was always okay. the one that was like, why are we not doing this? Yeah. You know, and from quite, you know, a young age in a firm, you know, um, quite junior and saying, why are we not looking at this area of service? Why are we not looking at 
this area of litigation for repeat business and I used to find it a touch frustrating that your ideas weren't being listened to as okay. much as you'd want them to be um, but that was fine and you know I'm very loyal and you know I'm still happy to do it where I was and I think but the turning point for me was falling pregnant with my first okay. child I have three um, but when I fell pregnant with Jasper I just couldn't see how I would be the parent I wanted to be and the lawyer I wanted to be in a traditional law firm setup. Okay. And I just couldn't, I remember being on maternity leave and thinking, I've worked so incredibly hard to get here, um, established myself as a lawyer, I'm really enjoying it, really want to be a mum, really want to do that really well, and how do I do the two at the same time? And so, you know, Woodstock became the way that I saw that I could do that. Okay. Um, and, you know, along with another colleague who was in a very similar position, yeah. Tams and Ledger, you know, we sat down and we're like, let's just go for it. Um, and had, you know, the confidence to go, right, we can make this work. Wow. And yeah. was that after the first child? Yeah. 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 Wow. yeah. And I, you know, so on maternity thought, I just can't see how I can go back yeah. um, and make that work. And, you know, I had ideas that I wanted to run with as well. And I thought, do you know what? Just run with them for me um, and see how it pans out. So was there any moment of fear and trepidation or because of life and circumstance and wanting to get that balance in life was it quite a confident move to be yeah related? I think it was a confident move and there were so many people saying you're nuts you know you've yeah. worked really hard you've got a good job there why would you not just go back you can make it work um but no I think you know it was really important to me that I managed to do both together and I just couldn't see how I would do that I felt like I'd need to sacrifice one of them okay. um and I really believed that Woodstock would enable me to do both and you know it has. I was going to say, yeah. is it, you know, when you look yeah. back now, has it enabled you to do that? Or yeah. Have you had that balance that you wanted? It's incredibly hard. Yeah. You never get it right. There's times when I think I'm absolutely nailed it this week. <laughs> I've, you know, I've managed to, you know, this week actually, you know, school disco, I managed to do that this week. Okay. You know, there's contracts at work that we've got over the line. Um, and, you know, you, you look at it, you think, I've even managed to find time to train. You think I've actually managed it this week. And, you know, there are times when you think, God, I'm dropping balls left, right and centre. Um, but I think being self-employed, whilst you're constantly working, because you're constantly thinking about the business, shut off, does it? No. I do have more control. And it goes through peaks and troughs over how I spend my time. And at the end of the day, I created this business and I have to remain focused on making this business work for me yeah. and the rest of my team. But good on you if you can do that. I think something I, you know, in the early years kind of lost my way a bit I think you got to the point maybe 10 years and we just started to believe your own in my case my own hype a little bit and I forgot that I actually started it yeah to yeah. be to have some kind of independence to yeah. do things my way to spend some time with Michaela and the girls and yeah. all of those kind of things so and it, good on you yeah you've and it is hard you don't it's never perfect and it is hard um but you just got to keep pulling yourself back yeah. to the reason why you started it, haven't you? Yeah. And I, do you know what? I think as a woman, sometimes that's easier in a way, harder, but easier, okay. which sounds like a massive contradiction. But I think you're expected to prioritize the children probably a bit more than men still are. Okay. So actually that gives you that discipline to pull it back to the reason why you did it. Yeah. Um, so, but again, that's still... The world expects a, a bit more. Yeah, so I think, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so there's a bit more leeway there. Um, but that, you know it is incredibly difficult. And I think, you know, whilst we've made a lot of progress for women juggling work and children, yeah. there's still huge progress, you know, yeah. huge changes we need to make. Yeah. And do you, I, interestingly, I suppose, that leads me on to a thought of, you know, you've got, you know, got male, female lawyers within yes. Woodstock, yeah. but 
you, do you offer a different kind of maternity package as a result of your yeah. experiences and what you wanted to create? Yeah, I think, you know, the consultancy model is something that, you know, when I started and I was self-employed, I could see how that gave you real flexibility and real autonomy. Um, and, you know, we took on our first consultant who actually wasn't a working parent. It was somebody who was closer to, and you hate me saying this, but towards the end of his career, in theory, still a fantastic lawyer, but wanted that flexibility yeah. and still to, you know, work around, um, you know, not to retire and, you know, do a hard stop and have that more flexibility. And then since then, it seemed to be that we were attracting female lawyers because okay. consultancy really works. So, you know, instead of having that hard stop when you go off and have your baby and then back into the thick of it, yeah. it allows women to be able to sort of gradually get back into work okay. around children, juggle children, you know, start to fit in childcare as the bit, their business grows. And, yeah. you know, I talk about their business because they are essentially growing their little bit of business within Woodstock. Um, you know, and I think that works incredibly well. So that's why I think the consultancy model is, you know, Okay. Really Perhaps we should women. probably explain, yeah. to, and for my benefit as well, yeah. actually, why Woodstock is different as a yeah. legal firm. Then. Yeah. So, what makes it different in the way in which you're structured? Yeah. So, the consultancy model, and okay. it's, and, and what we're trying to achieve with the consultancy model is really we provide um, it, a law firm's highly regulated. Yeah. Um, you know, and beyond belief. It's nuts, isn't it? You know, and that's an accountant saying that. You know, I think it's next level for us. It's crazy when you look at it and it just keeps getting more and more. But, you know, I, myself and the internal team at Woodstock, the operations, we take that headache away and make sure that, you know, can't take it away completely. They're still solicitors. They've got their obligations. But we provide a framework that, you know, all of the compliance is dealt with, um, all of the administrative support, all of the accounts, the marketing, yeah. all of that is dealt with, which allows you as a self-employed consultant to then choose what work you do, obviously within your area of specialism, <laughs> yeah, if you'd like to think, um, what clients you work for, you set your own hours, um, you set your own financial goals instead of having targets, which you have in a traditional law firm, um, you know, and it really gives people genuine autonomy and flexibility. And they will, some of them come with all of their own clients. Yeah. Um, others come with none at all and will work with them to generate their own client base. And then, you know, others is a bit of a mix. Okay. Um, but it works incredibly well. And, you know, other um, professions and industries have been doing it for a very long time. Yeah. Barristers have been doing it for a yeah, very long time. Work, yeah. It? And it just, it's, it's almost mind-blowing that it's taken so long for solicitors to have the bravery to do it. Um, and you are talking about a group that are quite often fairly risk-adverse. Yeah. So, you know, over the years it has been challenging to convince people that you are the person with the skills and the experience. Your clients buy you. Clients do. They buy people. Yes, yeah. the brand is important. Um but people generally, you know, use a solicitor because they like and trust that particular solicitor and know what they're talking about. So once people have that confidence and know that, you know, if they're good, clients will come with them yeah. um, and, you know, they can take real control over their work. And it's once you've instilled that confidence and got rid of some of the fear that I think does come from, you know, the traditional law firm yeah. setup. Um, it's fantastic and it's really exciting to watch lawyers really flourish. And in one example, I think one area where they really fly is convincing um, yeah. residential property because, and I had one of them say to me, Carly, it's just 
so lovely to be able to do my job properly because in a traditional law firm and I get it you know I run my own yeah. business you know the volume they need to do yeah, the work in cost, yeah. yeah is is incredibly high and that's incredibly stressful and actually it means that then you know they don't feel they're able to do, give the each case the kind time care and attention they'd like to whereas they're saying to me actually I can go that extra mile for my client you know I'm ahead of the game I'm not firefighting and it's a much more enjoyable way to work clients love it yeah. because you know a solicitor's you know responsive you can get hold of them you know and they can go that extra mile. I had one the other day saying, I'm going to meet a client now, I'm going to a house, and I said, I pick up some shopping on the way. You know, and you're yeah. like, that's lovely, yeah. you know, and they've got the freedom to do that. If you did that in a traditional law firm, they'd be like, what do you mean you're doing the client <laughs> shopping? You can't just go and do our shopping. Um, so it's, I think it's a really exciting development um, yeah. for the legal profession. I think it's brilliant for client service, um, and I think it's a much healthier way for lawyers to work much more progressive and it really gives actually does give them the financial reward that I think most of them were looking for when they embarked on yeah. law as a career fantastic brilliant. yeah and is it becoming is that model becoming more popular now yeah or is it still quite unique it it's still fairly unique but it's definitely becoming more popular yeah. yeah and you know there's lots of new consultancy firms popping up um which you know it's always interesting to see what they're doing and how they're different to us um I think there's a lot out there you know, and I can understand, again, as a business owner, the mentality behind it, where they're just collecting numbers of people. Yeah. Um, for us, it's much more about bringing the right people um, to Woodstock, people that really affiliate with the brand, will be a really good fit, will really contribute. And I always say to people, it's about your, you know, I've got lots of property lawyers, but they've all got their sweet spot, that little bit that nobody yeah. else does, um, you know, that they can really contribute to the team. Um, and you know they all overlap they support and it's about bringing yeah the right people I was going to say does it fuel a little bit is there a negativity that it might fuel this competitive spirit no it's really it isn't there it's really funny and I I think because they're all because there's plenty of work yeah because they're doing a good job and they're able to do a good job they don't need as many clients as they would have in a traditional law firm and quite often they they'll say to me oh no give that one to Roger that's definitely more his bag and because they want to be doing the work they really love for the clients they really want to work for. Um, so no, there's not. And there's a really healthy cross-referral um, okay. culture there. More so, I think, than I've seen in traditional law firms. Yeah, professional services sort of struggles with yeah, that a little bit I, anyway. Yeah. I suppose in a traditional professional service firm, we don't need to just say law firm, it's, it can be all about billable hours. Yeah, and it's a bit, that is more dog-eat-dog. Dog. Yeah. Um, and it's weird because you'd think it would be more so when people are talking about their own you know, money in their pocket. But they've kind of, you know, they've got rid of that. And I think when somebody new comes in, because they've all taken that leap and, you know, they've been a bit brave, they really want that next person to succeed as well. And you see them going, right, tell me what you do. Have I got any clients I can refer? How can we work together? You know, and I sat and we did a little video the other day about cohabiting and it was instigated by um, three consultants, a property lawyer, family lawyer and a private client lawyer. You know, all... um, working mums my you know actually yeah. they're all younger than me I have to say that um you know have come together um and they're all starting out their careers as consultants and they said actually we cross we can cross our fellows of work here and actually we can really work together and collaborate and you know they sat down and we all did a video on cohabiting and how it impacts you know okay. property decisions and you know making your will and you know the family law angle and all of that so you know they really work collaboratively together very quickly right. yeah and Back to your own story, when you look back that in the, you know, how many years has Woodstock been going? 
Um, how old is Jasper? He's eight. So yeah, about eight years now, eight actually. Years. Yeah. And yeah. is it been because you, you know you've grown significantly in recent years? Was yeah. it take a while to get that ball and momentum running? And when you look back on the journey now, is there anything that you'd do differently? No, I'm not, I'm that sort of person. I'd never change anything. I'm always the you know the regret the things you don't do, not the things you do do. Yeah, you just learn exactly. from it, don't you? Um, and I think you know I've probably there's I've learned huge amounts. Um, and you know there's times when it seems to be growing really really quickly, and then you think oh we've not you know we've not progressed so much lately. What do, what's our next step? Um, and I've just taken on um, brought in four new directors. Um, okay, exciting. Yeah, which is you know and it's been you know that's been fantastic because that really helps us sort of go to the next stage of what we really want to achieve with Woodstock and you know for me you know I'm a lawyer um yes I love running a business but you know you know what it's like when you start a business you're doing I was doing the accounts which when you've got to do um SRA compliant accounts yeah exactly and it's you know and the marketing and you know all the business development you know the compliance and for me it's the exciting thing um and is to be able to bring on the people to replace me um, and do a better job, you know, um, than I've been doing, which is is always the plan. And do you still get time to be a lawyer or you, do you spend most of your time running the business now? I do. I do keep my, you know, dip my toe in the water and keep my hand in, really. Um, I work very closely with the team, but I don't do much day-to-day legal work, which I think has been one of the reasons why Woodstock's grown and has okay. been as successful as it is. And I think it's incredibly difficult to do the both and you see you know and I I do think in traditional law firms that tends to happen a lot and it's really hard you know you've got two completely different hats on and to go from you know running a trial in litigation to then you know dealing with your team's needs and I got to the point when I think I'm not doing either as well as I should be so actually I think it's better that I focus on this um and actually it's I enjoy I think yeah, a bit more yeah it gives me face and, and it yeah and you know litigation gave me that buzz but running a business gives me that buzz as well so brilliant yeah fantastic we'll come on to talk about maybe what's next for Woodstock in, in due course but it would be good to have a conversation around you know how people do and can resolve disputes yeah you know because that happens mm. you know unfortunately <laughs> it's part of day-to-day yeah, yeah. business yeah it is it's kind of <laughs> world keeps in which us busy. we live so, you know, that is an area of specialism for you. Perhaps, yeah. you know, we could discuss some of the techniques you've learned over the years that yeah. work best for you when you're trying to resolve conflict. Yeah, we have a little saying at Woodstock that came from me and it's kill it from kindness, kill it with kindness. Okay. Um, and I think particularly in litigation, but, you know, you'd be surprised about how contentious property lawyers can get when they're, yeah. you know, supposed to be working <laughs> to the same objective. But, you know, when you've got somebody on the other side, whether that's, you know, a lawyer or a litigant in person, and they come at you at scale 10 aggression and conflict, actually, if you come down yeah. at level three and four, it brings them down and it's much easier to try and, uh, you know, achieve a resolution. Um, and it keeps it calmer and much more enjoyable. Yeah. You know, I've never been an aggressive lawyer. Um, I don't think it's beneficial for, you know, your client. Um, and it's not enjoyable either. Um, there's, you know, but there is a lot of aggressive lawyers out there. Um, and then I think the other thing for me, I've always been a very much a big picture lawyer. Um, I don't think that came straight away, um, but you know, quite early on, I've always tried to look at what the end goal is. Yeah, what you trying? What's the yeah, trying to achieve? Because actually, yeah. the issues in dispute are largely irrelevant. Yeah, it's the outcome. You know, and I think if you focus too much on the issues in dispute, yes, you have to know them. Yes, you have to, you know, have your evidence surrounding them. But if you focus on what's a good outcome for your client and what's, you know, what's probably a good outcome for the other side, that's how you can, you know, 
reach a really good resolution. Brilliant. Kill it with kindness. Like yeah. It works. And it, it works. Disputes, you know, yeah. And everyday life and everyday It does. It works at home with the kids. <laughs> you know, and they come at you at a 10. Are you sure? <laughs> it works. If you go in at a 10, it just gets worse. Yeah. It escalates <laughs> it quite quickly. Very it's quickly. With three boys, very quickly. Oh, three yeah. boys. Yeah. It's a lot. That's a handful. Definitely. And, you know, what have you learned about human nature then doing what you've done yeah. in terms of dispute resolution over the years, in terms of, you know, how people react? Do you know, I think one of the standout things for me, and I think this is, you know, working with clients in litigation, um, but also working with lawyers. And I think it's how people handle stressful situations and how resilient they are. And I think you have some people that handle stress in their stride, or at least appear to, um, and, you know, can stay quite calm, quite pragmatic. And actually, they're the best clients to work with. There's others that seem to thrive on stress, love it, and create it, almost. Yeah. And they can be really difficult people to deal with. And that can be quite challenging, I think. Um, and then there's people that can't handle any stress or, you know, have, you know, no capacity to handle stress or very limited. And, you know, when you're dealing with those people in situation, particularly litigation, you know, the objective is very different. And you might have a, you know, blinding case that you'd love to run all the way to trial. But actually, you're looking at your client and thinking they don't want to take this to trial you know I need to get a really early resolution and they're you know their breaking point their settlement point may be very different to the person who loves their day in court and loves the stress and is you know will be in court many many times (laughs) over their lifetime so yeah I think that's really interesting and I think you can pick that up quite quickly with people so Carly it's interesting what you say there about that resilience piece and those that are resilient and you know from what I know of your story and you know it's coming through loud and clear during this course this conversation and some of the decisions you made, you're a resilient character yourself. You know, I suppose, again, people listening to this and thinking, actually, I should be more resilient in life and in business. Any hints and tips that you'd give? Oh, I don't know. And it's that question, are you born resilient, made resilient? You know, how can you make yourself more resilient? I think one thing for me, and I think this is really important in, you know, our culture at Woodstock, and for me, I always retain a sense of humour and really try and retain a sense of humour. Um, in stressful situations and we really do that at Woodstock because it is a stressful environment and I think it really helps Mm. Um, but yeah I don't know it's a really tough question isn't it I think sometimes you either aren't and you need to know where your limits are as well and look after yourself Um, I sometimes do you know as a resilient person I do sometimes push myself too far I think you know lots of us do and it's recognizing where that is Um, but I think it's just knowing it will be okay you know and it nearly always is and it's never as bad as you think it's going to be if you are worrying about something um you know it's never as bad and there's always you know a good time coming but i suppose that that is a fair point isn't it and that's i I, it's how you know i often say i try and i say it to others but i say it to myself man be kind to yourself yeah be kind to yourself But it's easier said than done, isn't it? When you're running a business, when you've got a family, when you're trying to juggle all the balls that you're trying to juggle, you think, well, I'm Superwoman, Superman. Yeah. And eventually, if you continue to do that, you do hit a wall, don't you? Yeah, you you do. And I think, I remember, I look back, there was one period where I did just, you know, routinely, I think, call it my quarterly, like, ah, this is too much. Um, And I think those become much less because I've become better at knowing when I might have pushed myself yeah. too far um, and I think that's just experience of you know running a business and all the juggling that you're doing and knowing when you know hang on that might be a step too far don't take too much on yeah and yeah. is there things you do you know what do you do outside of the working environment to try and get that 
balance? Yeah. Is it just spend time with the family? Is it other things? Yeah, spend time with the family, but also escape the family. <laughs> I'm, I'd say I'm an incredibly sociable person. Um, so, you know, for me, that's really important. I get my energy from people. Um, and it's really, you know, really important to me that I go and, you know, spend time with friends, love to spend time trying to keep fit. And, you know, there's times when I've completely failed at doing that. And then I'll recognize that I'm not yeah. performing as I'd want to perform at work and at home and for me to carve out that time to you know, have a bit of time to myself to go to the gym that stuff is you know incredibly important for Fantastic. me right. yeah and in terms of your approach to leadership you know obviously you were in a mm. you know larger law firms before do you you know how's your leadership style changed maybe since you started with stock and where you are eight years into that journey yeah um I don't know if it has changed. I think if I'm, my approach to leadership, I think like I've said about traditional law firms, they're very hierarchical in nature. um, And it's about, there's a a clear ranking system in there. And Woodstock's very different. And, you know, my leadership style is, I very much like to still be part of the team. Um, And we're still at a size where I do still feel part of the team and part of it. you know, even as when it comes to physical space, it's an open plan office and my desk is in there with everybody else. I'm not shut away anywhere. Um, but it's about, for me, it's really important to lead and inspire from within and support from within and not top down, yeah. you know? Um, and for me, it's only success at Woodstock if it's success for the whole business and that includes the individuals within it. And, you know, I really enjoy a sorry really enjoy inspiring them motivating them and working alongside with them hearing their ideas um but also you know helping push them forward as well because the only way I can grow Woodstock and you know achieve everything I want to do is if I really grow the team behind me and we all you know go together you kind of go on this journey together yeah you really are yeah and you're very you know passionate about um you know empowering women in business yeah. you know we've sort of touched on mm. that a bit so far and you know understand you've spoken at an event earlier this year you know what are some of those challenges that you think you've faced as a woman within the legal sector I mean I suppose we talked about the maternity yeah. piece but other challenges maybe and you know what are you actually doing to kind of empower women both within Woodstock but mm. you know those outside of it those thinking I'm going to take this leap I'm going to start my own business in whatever sector it may be yeah I mean the world of law is you know there's plenty of female lawyers out there but they're not at the top um and you know the great thing about Woodstock is there are women at the top if you want to call it you know um or or at least in leadership positions that can really show other women coming in into Woodstock that you know that's an option there that's an opportunity um you know you can do it too and you know then you're also showing the outside world that this is an option and you know creating the consultancy model I think gives women you know if they're not getting it where they um where they are in a traditional law firm there's somewhere else where they can take more control and yeah and it's just that constantly being a role model and you know I don't have a daughter myself but I have three sons and for me it's incredibly important that they see that the girl that sat next to them in class could do what mum's doing and it's it's just you know like I had it was just the norm it's the given and you know and that that continues as you become a mum because I think you can get to that point 
um, you know, like I did, and you're on that journey and you qualify, and all of a sudden you go, oh, hang on, you know, yeah. uh, this doesn't quite stack up, you know, and I maybe I was naive, and you know, and I had, you know, somebody, you know, as that role model in front of me, and I got to the qualification, had Jasper, and it's, you know, how did the two work together? So it's making sure we continue to push through that barrier and making sure that women can return to work, you know, when they've had children in a in a working environment that works for working mums. And it's, you know, there's still so, you know, I had an example this week where, you know, I'm called up by the school as an example, and it's, Jasper hasn't got a lunchbox. And I go, oh, oh, that's interesting. Cause you know, he's eight, nearly nine. I made him a lunch. He should yeah. really be baking his own. But, and you know, be oh, made, <laughs> I am, I am building resilient children. Um, and, you know, was made to feel really quite guilty as a mum for him not having his lunchbox. And I was like, oh, okay, what, what time's lunch? Like, now. And I thought, what women, and, you know, who anyway, and particularly if women working, can drop everything, whip up a nice little lunch and get it down to school. And I thought, this is a school that's 50% females in there, young girls, that they're, they're broadening the horizons, educating them, showing them the world's their oyster, yet it's always the mum they call for yeah. this sort of thing. And so there's there's huge changes. So it's constantly ha- challenging, you know. That status quo. Yeah, just probably. constantly challenging, constantly communicating it and constantly pushing forward. And yeah. yeah. Brilliant. And in terms of kind of the legal profession. Yeah. You know, mm. There's lots going on, isn't there? You know, if you if you read certain papers and certain articles and certain bits on social media, they they will say that AI is yeah. going to kill the profession, <laughs> yeah. and in particular yeah. the legal profession. Yeah. I mean, where's your view on where the legal profession is going to go in the next five to ten years? And is AI going to have a real impact on it? Um, I'm a massive fan of technology, and that's something where, you know, the great thing when you start a law firm from scratch is that you have a complete clean slate. So not only you can create the culture you want, you know, you can bring the people you want, you can bring on the technology and you can look what's out there and go, okay, what technology is available that will allow us to do our job in a, you know, really progressive, efficient way and deliver really great client service? Um, and so I'm always willing to look at new technology out there. I don't think AI is going to be the death of lawyers at all. Um, I played around with it a little bit. I think it will help. And it, like I say, I think it might be a tool that, particularly if you're a lawyer dealing with contract drafting, for example, where you can be more efficient, um, perhaps, you know, reduce human error, that sort of thing. But I don't think it's going to, you know, knock lawyers off the table. Kill the profession. No. Do you know the one thing I think... And I think I could see us using at Woodstock quite soon is um, VR headsets and the metaverse. You know, we've always worked, we've done hybrid working, remote working before the pandemic. Yeah. So obviously it was very interesting to watch everybody, you know, yeah, so, around yeah, and it, yeah. by heading down to Comet, grabbing laptops. But, you know, we were always working that way. Um, and I still love to get people in a room as much as I possibly can, because I think it's incredibly beneficial. But there are times when you logistically can't get everybody there. And actually... You know, if you've got a room of six people, but there's a couple of people that aren't in the room, that makes them feel a little bit alienated. So I can really see how, you know, you're all popping on your headset, that, you know, people feel much more together, you know, in a virtual sense. You know, there's, you know, you can't do away, you can't beat being in a physical room together. Yeah, it's different. It's really, yeah, yeah. and the, you know, the mannerisms that you pick up off people. Um, But, you know, I think, yeah, I could see us doing that in the not too distant future. Brilliant. Fantastic. So heard it here first. The legal profession isn't dead. AI isn't going to yeah, isn't going to change the world for you. I suppose it's just going to. I suppose it's for all 
it's just going to perhaps make it more productive, isn't it? And more efficient yeah. and more, yeah. Yeah. And, and allow the human to do the thing the human's great at, which is yes. the final bit of advice, yeah. the interaction, understanding yeah. the emotions and all of those um, other things that we talked about mm. uh, before. So if that's the case for law, um, and actually I'll come back to something you said about, you know, Woodstock was plus easy and I'd say the same with Inspire because I had a blank piece of yeah. paper. yeah. So when you start, you're the new kid on the block, aren't you? Yeah. And you can do yeah, what you yeah. want and you can yeah. challenge the norm. Yeah. Are you finding it more difficult now that eight years in and established with a kind of team around you that you can continue to challenge the norm? And do you think there's there is others that will start within the next year or two that will yeah. do things differently? Yeah. I, I think you've always got the benefit that I think the legal profession are going to be the slowest ones. <laughs> <laughs> um, there is change coming with yeah. the industry, um, with the profession. Um, but I do think it's it's slower, and I think because we did have a clean state that slate that gets you out the starting, it's easier, isn't but it? But it is. So you yeah. Just, you just yeah. haven't got to change anything. No, and you know, you know, as you grow, sometimes that does become harder. Um, but I really think there's a real appetite with clients for law firms that are much more dynamic, um, much more of a human approach. Lose the stuffy, um, and you know, sometimes a little bit arrogant nature that comes with you know law firms and all that perception that we have you know little things it's like you know the hourly rate for example yeah. and when we're mocked for it we're openly mocked for it yet we still do it clients hate it yeah. yet we still keep start, trying stop, to do it. it and you know that was one great thing at Woodstock I got rid of it you know but that's one thing that's had to creep in a little bit yeah. you know um and I haven't managed to do away with it completely because there are some areas of the business that still heavily rely on it because the courts do um but largely, for example, we're able to make that change really quickly. Um, and it's, you know, I'm much more enjoyable to work on a, a pricing model that's based on you know, on value rather than time. Um, so, yeah, there's some there's some interesting changes. There's lots of other people that are, you know, doing the same thing. And there's, it's really exciting to see some new firms arriving and some firms that have injecting a bit more personality yeah. into their brand as well for me that's really important that's really interesting because when i see the woodstock brand out there particularly on linkedin social media there's a lot there is a lot of personality and there's mm. a lot more risk is the wrong word i can't really find the right word at the moment but there were, there's you're you seem to be allowing your consultants yeah sisters yeah. to express themselves be themselves yeah and you I, know, it's still in a professional way but yeah. show a lot more emotion in what they post yeah and i think it's probably only lawyers that thought we couldn't do that Okay. I do, and I think you know. I think other you know other people probably thought we were odd for not doing it. Whereas I think it was the norm for lawyers, yeah. not like you say, to be a little bit more straight laced and yeah. in a box, and you know all of that. So you know, I think it's really exciting, and you know, I've got some got some wacko ones in there, and they're good <laughs> yeah. fun. But they're brilliant lawyers. Yeah, they're brilliant lawyers, and that's what it comes down to. You can have huge personality and as long as you're a great lawyer it doesn't matter and actually that draws people to Definitely. you it draws yeah. the right kind of clients yeah, that it does. And the try- suit them exactly. because they want the exactly. you know, and if- horses for courses isn't yeah it? exactly yeah it's providing something different and was it I mean, is it something you instinctively let them go and do is it instructions given to be themselves I'm just intrigued to see it, how you've got to that place I think it's the model and the culture that we've got that we naturally attract those types of people okay. and sometimes we even say we have to rehabilitate some of them when they've come from traditional law firms and get them to relax and you know 
some of the environment, and I have to be careful what I say, but I, you know, some law firms, you know, it's mm. out there in the press. They can be some of the most toxic working environments that you can see. And it's, you know, sometimes people come a little bit shell-shocked almost, you know, and it's, you can really sort of get them to relax and be themselves and be much more individual. And as soon as they see other people doing it, they're like, this is great. I can actually just be, be me. me. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So as we kind of wrap up some sort of more quick fire questions, I suppose, yeah, what's the best piece of advice that you've ever received, Carney? Oh, that's an interesting one. Um, replace myself, I think, is a really good one. Uh, okay. um, and, you know, I will take a lot on as an individual, as, you know, particularly in business, life, everything. I'm always the person who's got a plate that's very much full, spinning lots of plates. And what I think I've learned is to Im- recruit the next person that I need to allow the business to grow much earlier than I think I need it and you know and actually that's been really rewarding and really enjoyable to bring on somebody who's much more organized and better at ops than me you know accounts to come and do the accounts you know all of that stuff um and I think that was the best advice I'd got to do that earlier than I think I need thought I needed to brilliant yeah. And yeah, you never look back when you do that, do you? No, you don't. You think, how was I doing? Yeah, how was <laughs> why, I spending why, all those plays? Why, why did I, I do it before? <laughs> yeah, and, uh, but that, I suppose there's a little bit there, uh, and maybe that comes with time, is that you need to understand what your strengths are as well. Absolutely, yeah. And sometimes, particularly yes. when you start a business, yeah. you need to juggle with everything. Yeah, you do. There are things that yeah. are new to you, and you've got to go, well, yeah. where, where are my natural strengths? Yeah. Where? And I'm always pleased I've done it. I'm pleased, you know, I did have those years where I had to sit and do the accounts because I know it and I understand it. And I now, you know, have much more respect for the person now having to do it, you know, because I was the one who was having to do it. And I'm just ever grateful that I now no longer have to do it. Same with the compliance stuff. You know, I still have to be heavily involved, but somebody's taken that day to day for me and I'm entirely, you know, grateful for it. So I suppose where's Carly going to be in five years time? Yeah, exciting plans, I think, um, with Woodstock. Um, we're hoping for some growth on the consultancy. I really believe in the model um, yeah. and it's exciting. It's incredibly rewarding business to run. Um, so, yeah, still here, still with Woodstock and still, you know, growing it to its real full potential and seeing some other lawyers, you know, take that little leap. That little leap. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And so final question always on the podcast is what's your definition of success? What, you know, what makes you happy? What's your personal definition of success? I think that's what you've just, you just answered it. It's success is happiness, isn't it? All round happiness. You know, it's not one thing. It's about that balance and that overall happiness and to look back and go, I'm proud of what I've achieved. I'm happy of what I've achieved. And you know, I had a, had a nice life. I'm happy. (laughs) Enjoying myself. If people want to learn more about you, want to learn more about Woodstock, where can they go? Um, call me <laughs> um, on LinkedIn or you know have a look on our website and yeah drop us a line fantastic thank you for being a great guest on the Evolved you're welcome Sixth thanks podcast. for having me yeah, it's good fun thank you for listening to the Evolve to Succeed podcast my hope with every episode is that you've learned something new or heard something that challenged your way of thinking and further motivated you on your path towards becoming a more knowledgeable informed and inspired individual and business leader if you enjoyed this episode then please help us by rating reviewing and subscribing we really value your feedback and would love to have you along for future episodes and please don't forget to learn more about evolve by going to evolvemembers.com Thank you for listening. See you next week.